Greetings and welcome to episode 17 of the Old Patrol HQ podcast. I'm your host, Gil Maza. This podcast is dedicated to celebrating and preserving the history, heritage, and legacy of the Old Patrol through the words of those who lived it, with a few shenanigans along the way. Listen to part two of our interview with retired patrol agent in charge of the Buffalo, New York station, Richard Maurer, alumni out of session 83 in Los Fresnos. Take a walk with us through the pages of Border Patrol history. Wait till you hear how things were back in the old patrol. Ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always. Now, um, I know that we don't have a lot of time left, but you worked your way to become the PAIC out of Buffalo. So tell me a little bit about that about that process. Well, you know, like I say, I went up to Buffalo and uh, worked till about '71, and we had a uh, we had a uh, IA intelligence agent up there by the name of Mike Landon. And Mike had uh, transferred from II in uh, Toronto and came down to Buffalo as the IA. Mm -hmm. Now, I started to tell you before, back in those days, in the 60s, uh, to get promoted in the Border Patrol, just about every supervisor I ever worked for had spent a year or two as either an II excuse me, or an investigator. Mm-hmm. And that's what they offered you. And uh, and uh, and then and then you could bid on, on supervisors' jobs after that in the border patrol. And and they uh, frequently picked guys coming back from investigations or 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 IIs. And what it did was it made for a really uh, well-rounded. Uh, supervisors. I mean, they all they all knew what they were talking about in immigration because they had done the job as an I.I. or an examiner or uh, investigator, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you had you had some well-rounded guys that really knew the job. So <clears throat> in any event, Mike Landon uh, come down to Buffalo as the I.A. And of course, he was in plain clothes every day. He was driving. He was driving a lime, a brand new lime green Cadillac. And uh, every day that I see him, it seemed like he had a different set of clothes on. And I mean, he, he would, you know, was really a well dressed, stylish guy. And finally, I got to know him. You know, and the one day I said to him, Mike, I said, Do you have an oil well or a gold mine someplace? He said, No. He said, But I'll tell you what you do. He says. Put in for that job up in Toronto. He says, those guys are making so much money on overtime. He says, go up there and just count your money and get rich. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I did. And uh, and he was right. I mean, they they always kept us shorthanded up there in Toronto as an AI. Yeah. And there was just so much overtime, you know, 14 hours a day, six days a week. I mean, you were... You were making more money in overtime than you were on regular time. You know, it was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, you know, so I, I, I worked in Toronto uh, from 71 to 75 as an I.I. <clears throat> and then when I was getting ready to come back to the States, uh, that's another story. I had young kids in school up in Canada. Uh. And one day, 
that dinner, my my oldest son, who was about in third grade at the time, he says, uh, he's all excited. He says, Dad, Dad, our queen is coming. And I said, oh, my God, you know, it's time to go back to the States, you know. <laughs> this, kid, this kid's got to find out he's an American, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh. In any event, I come back in '75, but I couldn't I couldn't swing into the border patrol in '75. But I come back to an investigator slot in Buffalo, uh -huh. and uh, stayed there for I guess about a year and a half, and then. Uh, but I really wanted to be back in the border patrol. I really wanted that, and uh, a vacancy occurred. I put in for it, and the guys that I had worked with. Uh, before I left in 71, uh, one guy was, uh, Bill Dickman was the, uh, the station senior in Buffalo, which is located, was located in the same building as sector headquarters. Mm -hmm. He, but he was the uh, station senior. And the other guy was a guy in my class, Ted Golda, was, uh, the unit senior. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, so when I said, hey, you know, I'd really like to come back in the border patrol. They took mercy on me and they let me come back, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was forever grateful. And uh, I worked for a while. Oh, then I became the uh, ASU there in Buffalo. And I worked up in Niagara Falls and uh, come back to Buffalo as the PAIC. Okay. And uh, that was in 80, 84. Mm -hmm. No, that was... Wait a minute. Yeah, that was in 84, and uh, I had 11 years as a PIC. I retired in 95. Ah, okay. So, uh, and that was, a, that was a great place. I mean, I had, <clears throat> I had uh, two different agents that got the Newton Azarac Award while I was there. Mm -hmm. That I wrote them up for... Uh, life-saving uh, activities that they had engaged in and uh, you know we we got a uh, a regional award in the station one year uh, we seized and this is back in the day where it was just getting started we had seized over a million dollars in cash out at the airport just money grabs yeah and uh, we got an award from uh, Region for that, and uh, like I say, uh, two guys did just an amazing job of life-saving, and uh, if you got time, I'd tell you those stories, because they are amazing. Do, do you have time? Yeah, we could, we could, uh, we can extend this for a whole other uh, episode, so go ahead. Okay, one fellow was a, a, a PA by the name of Bill Spencer. Mm -hmm. And uh, Spencer was working uh, days in Buffalo with uh, another agent by the name of Greg Barbagallo. And, uh, uh, you know, the only, uh, I, let me preface this by saying, the only line watch in the Buffalo sector are the three railroad bridges coming over from, uh, from uh, Canada. Because it's an all-border, uh, an all-water border. You've got Lake Erie flows into Lake Ontario, mm -hmm. uh, flows into the Niagara River, and the Niagara River goes over the falls and then flows into 
into Lake Ontario. So it's all water. There's no uh, line watch except at these bridges. And we used to get a lot of activity at these bridges, you know, at night. And uh, <clears throat> so in any event, <clears throat> one day uh, <clears throat> Spencer and Barbagallo are working together. And uh, they got a hit on the bridge. We had uh, we had an electronic device on the bridge that uh, told you when something uh, was coming across it. And uh, so they uh, they had it for this Squalone, which is where the the bridge came to the American side. You were on an island. Mm -hmm. And uh, in any event, when they got over there. It was in the summertime, July, they could see all the fishermen that just lined the, the, the bank of the river over there. Uh, and they were pointing and yelling, and Bill went over to the edge, and here's uh, about 30 foot out of the water is a woman face down. Now, where that is in that river is the narrowest point between uh, Lake Erie and the Niagara River. Mm -hmm. And the river's moving at about uh, 12 to 14 miles an hour. I mean, just, just moving hard. And uh, she's face down in the water. So he jumps in the car and he races down the river to get well ahead of her. And, uh, you know, kicks off his boots and his gun belt. And it was about a 15-foot dive down to the water from uh, the wall that, that goes along there, mm. and he died. And he dived into the water and swam out and met her, got her head up out of the water and pulled her back to shore. And but there's no way he can get up out of the up this wall. And in the meantime, his partner had called sector and sector had called the fire department, and the fire department come out and rigged a ladder while he was hanging on to a little handheld that he had found yeah. in the wall mm -hmm. and keeping her head up out of the water and <clears throat> you know and they got her up out of the water and she was a suicide that lived through it and uh, you know it was uh, if I go down there today I get the chills just looking at that water because it is so swift yeah and he swam out with just nothing uh, nothing on except shirt and pants and uh, pulled her back. Yeah. And he got the Newton Ezrak Award for that. Yeah, and uh, another one was an agent <clears throat> was, uh, like I say, this railroad bridge come onto an island uh, just off the main shore of uh, the United States. And there's also a railroad bridge that goes across there, but nothing like the international bridge that comes across the Niagara. Yeah. But there was a big pond on this island, and uh, this happened uh, in January, and uh, the pond was frozen solid, and it was about 10 degrees, and the wind was blowing, and they get some, uh, I think they were Brazilians, come across the railroad bridge, and him and his partner were chasing them around on the island, trying to catch them, and this one Brazilian ran out on the ice to... <coughs> go back to the bridge and try to get back to Canada and about 20 foot out from shore boom he goes through the ice oh man and he's struggling and uh this agent Al Marshall 
he broke through too. Yeah. And uh, and he grabbed the guy and pulled him back to shore. Well, now, like I say, it was about 10 degrees, and the car was about a quarter of a mile away, and he and the wind was blowing, and he had to walk him and get him to that car. <clears throat> I mean, he was like an icicle by the time he got him to the car. But he did. He got him in the car and took him to the hospital, and the guy lived, and, uh, you know, and Al was all right. So <clears throat> those were there a couple of of events up here that got each of them awards and well deserved yeah and, you, and you, as their PAIC you're the one that put them in for them right I wrote them up yeah yeah that's, yeah. that's great that's great well uh, is there uh, anything else in, uh, in your memories that you'd like to share with us before we wind down as far as uh, your career and your experience or anything you'd like to say about the patrol well uh, it was a uh, like I've always said, it was a great ride. Thank you, Border Patrol. It was a great ride. It was a job that I enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, my whole career. I had 31 years, and i do it again in a heartbeat. Uh, I know that things have changed. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, I, I, I know that, it, that they're not doing the same kind of work that we did back then, and... Uh, and, uh, you know, there was always a lot of details. I mean, we were always, uh, you know, out to California, down to Puerto Rico, Florida, uh, Texas. I mean, you know, there was a lot of detail work to be done. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I was sworn in as a marshal a couple of times, to one for Nixon's inauguration down in Washington. And, uh, you know. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. California, San Diego on detail back in 77. And when we were catching a, a thousand a shift. Yeah. There. Well, from, um, you know, uh, going from class 83, session 83, I was in class 313. Wow. And right now, the academy, I think, is up to 1,157. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, like I say, when I started, I think there were 1,600 agents in the whole country. Mm -hmm. And now there's, what, 20,000 or so? Yeah, I think it's at 21,000. I'm not sure. But, uh, but you know, that that's the thing. And th that's the reason why we're doing this podcast, sir, is because uh, I want to record and celebrate and uh, hear the, your experiences and adventures that, and how the patrol worked back in the day. And how it's progressed to me, and then how it's progressed in the it's, it's progressing to now, and like you said, even today, I still think it's the best damn job in the world, and I still oh, and I still enjoy my job. But I retire next March, and I still enjoy every day. Is that right? Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank you, sir. Yeah. But that's what yeah. Old Patrol is all about. The the Old Patrol podcast and the Old Patrol, uh, you know, Facebook page. It's all about celebrating our history, our heritage, and legacy, which you are a, were a part of. You're one of the you know one of the first out there as a patrol inspector, and so uh, that's the whole purpose is to celebrate that legacy. Yeah. Well, it's not that uh, it's not that the Border Patrol didn't make mistakes and immigration didn't make mistakes over the years because sure. they sure did, but. Uh, you know, all in all, it was an amazing job, and, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I hated to see, you know, the the people 
from Somalia, you know, 80,000 of them end up in, in Minneapolis, and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, we pay, we're paying the price for how we treated those people. I mean, we gave them, uh, we gave them the keys to the castle, yeah. and uh, they apparently don't appreciate it, you know, and that's, uh, that's a sad thing. Yes, yeah, no, it, it, it definitely, though, I mean, the whole... The whole uh, approach to immigration, the whole approach to enforcement, and all those things now is all uh, changing. is is evolving fast. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Gil. If I I got I got I got a stack of stuff here that I uh, you know stories about Buffalo that I was going to tell you about, and if you want to do it again sometime, I got some stories. Or if you want to extend this now. I can go on. Well, I wouldn't mind hearing a few of those before we close because we're already into the second hour as far as the podcast goes. So if you if uh, you want to take a break and uh, do it another one later, we can do that as well. I'm ready to go right now if you want to just keep it up. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, like I say, uh, back around the 90s, early 90s, uh, we were getting a uh, an influx of uh, <clears throat> these all kinds of aliens, but mostly Somalians coming in over these railroad bridges from uh, from Canada. Mm-hmm. And I remember one night. Uh, again, it was a January or February night, about twenty degrees, and the winds blowing and. And we got a group of uh, 20 coming across that railroad bridge. And the railroad bridge, it's a bridge that dates back to the Civil War. It's a big old iron um, frame bridge and with no sides on it and uh, just a one set of tracks down the middle. And it's, uh, it's owned, I think it's owned by Canadian National Railways. But... Uh, in any event, they, uh, from the uh, Fort Erie, Canada side of the bridge, here they would come across this bridge. And uh, the one night, uh, in the middle of the night, we got this group, and they had about five little kids with them. And, uh, and the adults were all carrying two big pieces of luggage and guiding them, trying to keep them away from the sides. And... Uh, in any event, when they come off the bridge on our side, we grabbed them all and uh, got them back to the office and to do the processing. And I think that back at that time, I don't think Canada was taking them back. I, we couldn't just VR them. And uh, I think they were giving them run letters and uh, letting them go to, there were several churches that were running uh, refugee centers in Buffalo area. <coughs> And uh, I think we kind of put them in these refugee things. Mm-hmm. But I remember in the processing, they were all going to Minneapolis. And I used to think, you know, how the hell did they find out about Minneapolis and Mogadishu? You know, it's it's colder than hell there, and they're coming from a place that's, that's, uh, that's uh, you know... On the uh, on the equator, it's so hot. Yeah. But uh, in any event, uh, you know, and then and then when you started to read that that these guys were were leaving uh, Minneapolis, 
and going back over there to fight for ISIS, I always thought, you know, what a shame. We made some mistakes in our enforcement practices back then, and what a pity that is, you know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so. But we used to get, uh, we used to get uh, ocean vessels coming into the port of Buffalo here, and uh, I remember one that we got was a Russian ship. And uh, when the when the the ships come in the port, well, the first people that would get on it would be IIs, mm -hmm. and they would inspect the crew. And then if there was uh, somebody that had to be detained on board, uh, they'd notify us, and it was up to the border patrol to get on board. We'd take a picture of the guy, and uh, and then. Uh, once a shift, once every eight hours, uh, you had to get on board and uh, physically look at the guy. I mean, whether he was sleeping in his quarters or what have you, yeah. you get the first mate to take you down and you'd roll him over and hold the picture next to him and make sure the guy was still on board. And then, uh, so, so the first time we got on this ship, the first mate, wanted us to come up to the captain's quarters and meet the captain, you know. Yeah. And he was kind of a jovial guy. I don't I don't even recall if he spoke any English. But uh, what he wanted to do, he broke out a bottle of vodka and he wanted us all to have a toast with him of, <laughs> with vodka. And, uh, you know, and we said no. And, uh, you know, and he was okay with that. And uh, all of a sudden, it got real quiet in the room. And this, uh, this woman about, uh, five by five, another five by five, uh, in a, in an old house dress. Yeah. She come in the room and it got real quiet. And what she was, was the communist party, uh, on board every ship, every Russian ship, they'd have somebody from the communist party. And she yeah. kind of kept an eye on everything. And I guess they were all afraid of her. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. which was kind of an eye-opener, you know. Yeah. But that's how they worked. And, uh, oh, I know another story I want to tell you. Okay. Uh, I had, uh, you know, we used to check a lot of orchards. There's a lot of apple orchards and fruit orchards, cherries, peaches. There's all kinds of agriculture going on in this area. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, of course, it, it, it draws a lot of uh, Jamaicans and Mexicans for uh, apple harvest and tomato harvest and cabbage and what have you. And we used to check those crews and uh, do pretty good with them. And, uh, <clears throat> but one time, I was, uh, me and a couple other agents were out running through an apple orchard chasing chasing some Jamaicans, yeah. and uh, I stopped, and here comes, here comes the tractor through the orchard, and the guy that's running the tractor is, uh, he is completely covered with cloth and goggles and gloves, and, you know, and he's spraying the apple trees, yeah. and I said, oh my God, what am I doing in here, you know? And uh, the, the same way with we used to chase asbestos workers. And, uh, you know, back in those days, I'm sure there were laws about
crews that come up out of New York City and it'd be all Polish working together or all uh, Chinese working together and one guy would speak English. And uh, they'd be in there without masks uh, working in this asbestos. And uh, in any event, we didn't go in the buildings. We waited till they took their break and either got in their car or went to their... They used to always stay in dive hotels, you know, and we'd get them either at the hotel or we'd make a traffic stop on them. And they were always good for a couple of numbers, a couple of scratches, you know. So, uh, but I got to thinking, I said, you know, here we are out in these fields that are being sprayed with chemicals. We're in the orchards being sprayed with chemicals. We're working around these asbestos guys. And, uh, you know, I said, what occurred to me was, in uh, 78, I had a, uh, uh, we had four kids, and uh, three older ones, and then uh, uh, when the youngest was eight years old, we had a fourth one. And this guy had nothing but medical problems his whole life. He, uh, he had a seizure condition, and he was retarded, and uh, he lived to about 35. He died a few years ago. Mm. But I said, I, you know, I, I, I've said to people, I've often wondered if uh, he paid the price for me working around all these uh, chemicals all these all this time. And it's something to think about. I mean, it, you know, it didn't uh, it didn't occur to me back then when we were running around in the fields, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, and, and now with these agents coming up against these people with all these diseases and uh, COVID and uh, tuberculosis, I know we used to get we used to get guys with tuberculosis, and uh, I filled out mm-hmm. uh, what was it a CA one, CA two, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I had to get checked twice just last year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh. You know, it's something that you always had to think about. Yeah. And uh, let me see. Uh, another case that we had up here working up in Niagara Falls, we started at 6 in the morning up there. And uh, so when we come in at 6, the phone is ringing. Mm-hmm. And there was a Coast Guard base up on the, uh, on the end of the Niagara River, right where it empties into... Uh, Lake Ontario, and like I say, the river is really humming at that point, yeah. and it pushes way out into Lake Ontario, and uh, so these Coasties call us, and they said, you know, we see, and this was, again, January, as a matter of fact, it was New Year's Day, and they said, um, you know, we see something out on the river this morning, so we jumped in the car and headed up there, and by the time we got there, they had this. Uh, they had this guy up on shore with a blanket around him, and uh, and he's a uh, he's an Italian. Mm-hmm. And what had happened was he uh, started out about ten miles down the river, rowing in a little blow-up plastic raft, uh, coming across the river in the middle of the night. I guess he started out around uh, two or three in the morning, and uh, the river the river was so powerful that it pushed him all the way down to Lake Ontario. Oh. And uh, the Coast Guard guys told us that 
that he caught the last pier at the Coast Guard base. And if he misses that one, he goes he goes out about 10 miles out to Lake Ontario. And that was another one of those uh, 10 or 20 degree mornings. And yeah. he'd be dead out there. They'd never find him, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but he caught the last, the, last, uh, the last pier at the Coast Guard base. And they went out and pulled him up out of the water, you know. So, <clears throat> in any event, what it was was, uh, then we went up on the River Road, one of us went up on River Road, and uh, pretty soon here comes this car, there's nothing moving on New Year's, New Year's morning, and here comes a car with uh, New Jersey plates on it. So they do a stop on the car and make them open the back, and there's two pieces of luggage in the back, and uh, and and it's this this guy's luggage that we got at the Coast Guard base, come across the river. Mm -hmm. And what he was was uh, uh, he was a he was a mafia guy that they were bringing in uh, to work down in uh, New Jersey, and uh, they'd schedule him to do a hit. No kidding. And then they'd run him back up to Canada and fly him back to to Italy. <laughs> and uh, he was coming in, <clears throat> you know, just to do a hit on somebody and uh, get out of town real quick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they called it the uh, Pizza Express. That's what... <laughs> wow. Yeah, they'd have him working in a pizza parlor someplace in New Jersey until they needed him, and then he was the gun. He went out and... <clears throat> did whatever job the, the, the mob needed. Well, it's just amazing to me, um, like, you know, all these uh, different sectors and different areas, how different the work can be from one agent to another, from one station to another. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I used to get guys transferred up here from the southern border, uh, you know, it took about six months to kind of uh, break them into the fact that you're not going to catch people that that are Hispanic. You're going to catch every other nationality in the world. I mean, there's going to be some Hispanics, as, uh, Brazilians, or yeah, Mexicans, or you know. But but for the most part, you're, and you're going to catch people from Africa. You're going to catch people from every other country in the world. Yeah. And uh, I know the last year that I worked in '95. That railroad bridge coming over from Fort Erie, uh, we caught, that year we caught 125 people coming off of that bridge, and it represented like 26 different countries. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a cadre of interpreters that we could call on, and, you know, stuff like that, mm -hmm. and... Uh, but it was, it was really an interesting job. And when you were up in Niagara Falls, I mean, you could go down to the falls. I mean, the falls get, uh, gets uh, 10,000 visitors a day or more, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. uh, they come from all over the country to see the falls. And what, what you learn is this. No matter how they come to the country, illegally, legally, uh, you know, uh, overstay a visa, whatever. Sooner yeah. or later, they show up in the falls because they all want to see the falls. And so you could go to work in the morning. You could say, "Okay, uh, <clears throat> all I'm going to catch today are Indians, or all I'm going to catch today are 
Yeah. You know, something like that. Right. And, 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 and there were so many of them down there that you, that you, you could kind of specialize for the day, you know. So, no so the, the work was really interesting and, uh, and, uh, <clears throat> varied, you know. Yeah. So one time, I'm working with, a a fellow who's, uh, his son was in the Border Patrol out in Temecula, Steve Golda. Well, I knew his father, Ted Golda. Oh, yeah. uh, we were in the same class. And we were working together here in Buffalo. And uh, so one time, Ted and I went down to uh, Erie, Pennsylvania, which was kind of the end of our area. And Erie's a pretty good-sized town, you know. And we did city patrol work in plain clothes down there. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, and we check restaurants and we check whatever kind of uh, jobs we could find down there. And one day we went to a restaurant to check the help. And we were sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, looking at everybody. And here's two guys at the counter drinking coffee, and they're speaking Greek. You know? Oh, yeah. I said, wow. You know? So in the email, we follow them out and brace them out on the sidewalk. And the one guy pulls out a green card. And he's okay. And the other guy says, well, I have the same thing in English. And he says, but it, it, it's back at my room. So we tell him, you got to get in the car. Oh, sure, I'll get in the car. I'll show it to you. Sure, no problem. You know, so yeah. we get him in the car and we take him into Erie. And uh, on Main Street, which is uh, State Street in, in uh, Erie, there's a big construction project going on on both sides. They're putting in new sewers, and they got the whole street ripped up. And uh, he points out uh, a three-story building, a restaurant on the ground floor on, the, on this state street, and uh, some rooms above it. He said, my room is up there. Okay. So we get him out of the car, and just then... The, the traffic, the, somebody is be laying on the horn beeping, and when Ted and I look, this guy takes off, he rabbits, and, <laughs> okay. and he runs into this restaurant, runs through the, you know, the dining room, through the kitchen, and we're right after him, out the back door into an alley, up the alley, back into another restaurant, through the kitchen, through the dining room, out on the state street. And by the time we get out there, he's gone. We lost him. And we said, son of a bitch, you know, here's a Greek ship jumper, and we let him get away. Jeez. So we're sick about it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> so about three weeks later, Ted and I are down in uh, Erie again, and who do we see? See walking down the street. <laughs> and, man, we jumped on him. He didn't know what hit him. We had him cuffed up before he knew we were there. <laughs> nice. And I always said, and the, the 213 didn't have to know the first part of the story, you know. Absolutely. Because uh, <laughs> whatever's on the 213 is what's golden. It's what's, it's, it's, what's, yeah. it's what's scripture, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. So... You know, there was a lot of fun in the job. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, here, I, let me tell you another one. So yeah. we had a we had a, a, a 28 foot boat up here in Buffalo, uh, a pinion with a tunnel drive and a flying bridge, and uh, that we used to keep down on the 
Yeah. And uh, so, so uh, I was the agent in charge, and a guy named Jimmy Carroll, Jim Carroll, was uh, was the senior in the station. Yeah. And he was a boat operator. So <clears throat> about four o'clock that afternoon, uh, Bill Dickman, the chief, comes in. And he says, uh, "You know, we're going to have some high." Priced uh, visitors in uh, sector tomorrow, and he says I want to take them out on the boat and show them the water boundary. He says it's going to be uh, the chief of the border patrol, Hugh Bryan. Know that name? Uh, no, I don't. Well, Hugh Bryan was the chief of the border patrol, and his guest was uh, the head constable from the Royal Ulster Constabulary in Ireland. And he was, uh, uh, Brian, Hugh, Hugh Brian was, uh, was escorting this guy around the country and kind of showing him the different border patrol stations. So that's who we're going to have on the boat. Mm -hmm. So we had the boat all cleaned up and, uh, we picked him up in the morning and took him out on the river. It was a fall day. It was real sunny, real warm, very nice. And I had him out there for about a half an hour and, uh, Put them back in the uh, put the, put them back into shore where their boat or car was parked, and now Jim and I have to take the boat and go about six miles up the river to this uh, marina where we kept our boat. And uh, like I say, we're going against the current going up the river, and uh, you know we're out in the middle of the West River, and we're not making any headway. I mean, we're not. You know, we're just kind of standing in one place. I said, Jim, something's wrong. So Jim jumps down, and this uh, this boat had uh, uh, a deck doors on it, two doors that opened, and we had twin Chryslers in there, about 240 each. And uh, he opens these uh, doors on the deck, and the water is going up about 20 foot in the air. It's, uh, it's, uh, the water's coming off of the fan belts and going <laughs> rooster tailing up in the air. He says, my God, we're sinking. You know? <laughs> so, so now we're in the middle of the river, and uh, you can see the mist from the falls where we're at. We're only about a mile from the falls. Yeah. And uh, so I, uh, I steered into shore as close as I can get. And uh, <clears throat> Jim says, uh, he said, toss me a towel. So he says, there's a hole in the bottom. He said, toss me a towel. So he lays down. He's got a sport coat and shirt and tie on. And uh, he reaches his arm right down to the shoulder and starts stuffing this towel into this hole in the bottom of the boat that he can see. <laughs> And uh, I get in as close to shore as I could get, and he says, why don't you call the uh, the marina and have them get the slings out, and if we can get up that far, we'll have them pull it right up out of the water so we can uh, see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I hugged the shore all the way back up there, and uh, Jim always laughed at me. He says, you know, he says, your voice was so loud on the radio. He says, your voice was like two octaves higher than normal, <laughs> telling them to get the slings out that were sinking in the middle of the river. I said, listen, Jim, I said, we could see the, the mist from the falls, and, uh, you know, I'm not a very good swimmer, <laughs> 
worried about it. So we let, had a laugh about that. But later we said, you know, if we ca had kept these visitors out the boat five minutes longer, <coughs> we would have, uh, you know, we had the head of the Border Patrol and head of the Royal Ulster Constabulary on board. We would have probably put them in the water if we, uh, you know, so... Yes. Those things happen, you know. Yeah. Well, sir, uh, uh, I really appreciate your time uh, telling us all those great stories out from out of Buffalo, and uh, you ended up you ended up retiring retiring as a PAIC out of there in 1995. You said, and uh, again, uh, just appreciate you sharing all that uh, enthusiasm and uh, telling your storytelling. It's uh, it's going to be great for us, to, all of us, to listen to. Okay, I hope I, I hope uh, somebody gets some uh, use out of those stories and uh, you know and gets to see what the what the old patrol was like. Absolutely, and you know uh, uh, I know that uh, I'm going to contact Steve Golda and tell them that uh, you know about uh, you working with his dad there and, uh, out of class. He was one of your classmates out of class '83. Oh yeah, he knows that. I knew. Now, do you know Steve? Yeah, I've talked. I, I've never talked to him personally, but I know of him. Oh, yeah. Well, he was just a young kid, 10 years old, when I was working with his father here in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And actually, we lived on the same, uh, we lived on the same uh, uh, little neighborhood. We lived in the same little neighborhood. And, uh, you know, I knew Steve uh, his whole life, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I, I, he'll definitely get a kick out of knowing that we, you and I talked. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you're going to do that. That's good. Uh, you know, he's, he's in a wheelchair now. He's got MS. But yes. uh, I see him I see him online here every once in a while on Facebook. And, yeah. You know, I, every once in a while I tell him a little something about those days. <laughs> well, sir, I appreciate you telling us a little something about those days and sharing them with us as well. Oh, yeah. Good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we may we may come back around again too. Uh, I'm trying to get as many people on there as I can on here as I can. So we may get back around to you now. I know if you if you have another uh, set of stories you want to tell us. Oh yeah, I got. Oh yeah, I got. Uh, hell, I got. I got a stack of them. I'll, uh, like I say, like I say, I uh, I write these recordos uh -huh. and I send them into. Uh, well, the borderline is printed. Several of them. Yes. And I also, uh, uh, Kermit Libel puts them on the uh, Forbo Recordo, Recordos site. Uh huh. And I, prob I probably have about 50 of them on there. Uh, I'll, I'll take a good look at those in one, one of these days then. Yeah, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about uh, seeing if I got enough here to put together a little book. I think you should. You definitely. If I can encourage you to do that, I think you should. I think that would be a great idea. Yeah, I know a guy that's in the business, and uh, like I say, I was going to show him my notes here and see if he thinks if I have enough to <clears throat> be entertaining. You know. Well, I, I I certainly think you do. So uh, if he won't do it, you come back and you you come back and check in with me. Yeah, we're done, sir. Thank you so much. Okay, take care. Take care. Goodbye. This concludes part two of episode 17 
our interview with retired patrol agent in charge, Dick Maurer. Thank you so much for listening to the Old Patrol HQ podcast. If you're a mind to, please take a look at all our official Old Patrol gear offered exclusively at Old Patrol HQ. Just go to Old Patrol HQ at bigcartel.com and bring your pocketbook. Also, ratings are the name of the game for these podcasts, so if you wouldn't mind going to Apple Podcasts and give us a rave review and five stars. Yeah, it's vanity, insanity, but oh, the humanity. There ain't no patrol like the old patrol. Honor first, honor always.